0: Welcome to this podcast from the Bay Church. We hope you're blessed by the message. To find out more, please visit our website at www.the-bay-church.org.uk The last uh, few weeks we've been doing um, a series on encountering God. And uh, it's, it's my privilege today to talk about encountering his anointing for your life. Last week, Laura talked to us about um, his presence and uh, the Holy Spirit that's all around us and that's with us and in us and how that's available and how we need to, to learn to, to turn our attention to him who's right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> He's so good. Yeah. He's so good. And he lives inside of you. When you give your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes in you and fills you with him and makes you one with him. But I want to talk to you about another aspect of the Holy Spirit, which is how he loves to come on you. You see, he lives in you for your sake, but he's on you for everybody else's. (laughs) He's in me for me, but he's on me for you. And I want to just explore a little bit. It's too big a subject to cover in one sermon, but I want to get us to think about how do we encounter more of that anointing that he longs to put on us so that the world can see, that the world can experience him the way that we do. (laughs) The word um, anointing actually came from um, ancient shepherds who used to um, notice that their sheep were being really bothered by... Flies and uh, insects that used to land on them and crawl into their ears or lay eggs in their nose and crawl up through their nose. It's pretty gross. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what the shepherds used to do was get some oil and they would pour oil over their sheep's head. And by that, it was like they were, they were um, blessing them with, with protection for everything that they needed, kind of like empowering them to be sheep. You know, to do what they're called to do. <laughs> and, uh, and somewhere along the, the lines, um, in the Old Testament, it, we begin to see how the Holy Spirit is referred to as oil. And how they used anointing oil, that same anointing that they poured over the sheep. They would, they would, they would choose particular groups of people whose job it was to represent God. They, those were the prophets. Those were the priests. And those were the kings of the nation. And they would, they would um, get them to one side and, and set them apart. And they would pour oil over them as a sign that they now carried the Holy Spirit in them and on them. That their job was now to represent God everywhere they went. So the prophets got to speak out the words of life. The words that God spoke to them, they got to release that because the Holy Spirit was on them. The priests got to stand in the gap for those that didn't know God. They got to stand in the presence of the Holy of Holies. Like once a year or something ridiculous, they got to be in his presence. But they got to stand there for their people and say, I will intercede for you so that you too can know who God is. And the kings were set apart to rule and to reign with a heart that, that demonstrated and modeled what God wanted as, as the ultimate king. And uh, we can read about all of, all of those stories in the, in the Bible as people are set apart, as they are chosen to represent God, and oil is poured over them, and they are anointed. And then Jesus comes. <laughs> And if you turn in your bible to Luke chapter 3 right at the beginning of his ministry I want to pick it up from verse 21 I love to hear the sound of rustling paper I know a lot of you've got iPhones but I I love it <laughs> So it says, verse 21, Luke 3. One day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. As he was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my beloved son, dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. See, right at the start of Jesus' ministry, he chose to be baptized in water <laughs> and he experienced a baptism of the Holy Spirit that came upon him The Bible tells us, like a dove, descended upon him. And at that moment, the Father in heaven opens up the heaven, heavens, and says, "You." Jesus, and my beloved son, and I'm so pleased with you. Before you've done anything on this earth, I want you to know I'm so pleased with you. And before we talk about anointing or anything like that today, I just want you to just take a moment and realize that we live under an open heaven because of what Jesus has done. That heaven has been ripped apart because Jesus came and shed his blood and made a way for us to know God. And right now, before you've done anything, before we've gone out and saved the nation, (laughs) God the Father looks at you and he says, You, you are my beloved. And I'm so pleased with you. (laughs) Chapter 4 says Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. And I'm not going to read it all, but in that temptation, the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, what had God just said to him? You are my beloved son. So the enemy comes in and says, if you are the son of God, he says, um, I'll give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over you if you just bow down to me and worship me. And then he starts again. If you are the son of God, jump off. You see, two out of the three temptations right there came against that word that God the Father had just spoken to Jesus and questioned his identity. And I want to suggest to you today that, that um, uh, the enemy loves to question what God's just said to us. Colin just spoke to us about a testimony where he heard the enemy say, ha, it's never going to happen. But you know what? Colin knows who God is. Yeah. And he knows who he is. and He knows what Jesus has made available. So he was like, yeah, right. And he stepped out and he went. And, and we saw the results of that. Ha. And then we get to verse 16. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boy, I can never say that word, Nazareth, his boyhood home. He went, as usual, to the synagogue on the, on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him, and he unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where this was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, and the oppressed will be set free, yeah. and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. <laughs> I love reading something, and then you suddenly remember you've forgotten the bit before to read. So after Jesus comes out of the uh, the wilderness, the, in my Bible it says, um, then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. You see, in his baptism. He experienced the Holy Spirit descend upon him like a dove. He knew the Holy Spirit there. And he goes, and somehow in the conflict of what the enemy brings, something is established in him that fills him with power, that fills him with authority. And then he gets into the synagogue and he says, the prophet (laughs) Isaiah spoke the spirit of the lord is upon me and it goes on to say that he sat down and he said this today has been fulfilled now i've always just thought oh he sat down that's a really weird thing to put in the bible but never really realized that there was two seats in the front of the of the temple and one of those seats was reserved for the messiah see they were expecting the messiah to come and that seat was empty because they were waiting for him and Jesus stands up and he reads the scroll and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. And then he sits down in the Messiah's seat. Come on. Come on. And what does it say? Yeah. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Sitting in the Messiah's seat. Yeah. Huh. You see, Messiah is the Hebrew word for the anointed one. It's what it means. He's anointed, set apart by God, to represent him on earth, to show us what the, what the Father is like. Our word, uh, well, the Greek word for Messiah is Christ. Jesus Christ, it's the same word. <laughs> and I wanna say to you this morning that we're Christians. <laughs> we're little anointed ones it's in our name you see Jesus showed us the kingdom of God he demonstrated it everybody that came to him for healing was healed he messed up every funeral he went to including his own (laughs) he set the prisoners free He, he spoke and eyes were opened that people began to see He released them into the fullness of how they could actually live. He declared the kingdom of God is here. And then he said, all authority that I've been given, I give to you. Now you go and you make disciples of all nations. You go and heal the sick, cleanse the leper, cast out demons, raise the dead. You go and be my anointed ones who I have uh, not just poured out my spirit on some individual people, but I've poured out my spirit on all flesh. (sighs) So, my job this morning is not just to talk to you about anointing, it's to talk to you about how do you encounter the anointing. We know it's there, we know it's available, we know what Jesus has done for us, but how do we step into it? Well just like we read a few minutes ago um, I want to say that to encounter the anointing of God you need to know who you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You need to spend time in his presence with Holy Spirit. See the anointing is a, is a person <laughs> of the Trinity <laughs> who wants to, to show you who you are or how he feels about you. And just as he turned to Jesus and said, you are my beloved son. We need to spend time resting in that. What does that mean for us? That we're his. That we're loved. That he trusts us more than we trust ourselves because he chooses to give us his most precious thing that he has to send us the Holy Spirit and say, Now you go. You go and do that. Do you feel that calling upon your life? Of how he feels about you? (laughs) We need to know who we are. And we need to know whose we are. (laughs) We need to get to know Holy Spirit and what he likes it says in the Bible, seek first the kingdom of God. What does that mean? I remember um, hearing that a number of years ago and just going, what does that mean? Like, that's something we, we just always talk about. What does it mean to seek first the kingdom of God? And I felt like God just said, get to know what I love, Nick. Get to know what I want. Get to know what the kingdom the the king's domain looks like if God were to come and rule and reign and have his way what would that look like and so I began to read and go okay Jesus you are perfect theology you show us what the kingdom looks like and as you can't get away from it as you're reading through you just see healing after healing after healing in the bible and I was like right I get to demonstrate the kingdom I'm going to go after healing um, because I know who he is and I know who I am And I decided in my heart that I would pray for every person that needed healing, (laughs) knowing those two things. And for six months, I didn't see anything. (laughs) I didn't see anything happen. And over and over again, I was like, God, I know who I am, and I know who you are, and I'm not going to change. My heart that wants to demonstrate your kingdom and do what you love, (laughs) because you love to heal the sick. So I still remember praying for someone um, just after that who came forward and whose ankle was like three times the size that it should have been and had been like that for for a long time, and watching before my eyes this ankle shrink down to the normal size and going, Come on then. I don't know what that six months was, but come on. <laughs> and I suspect that six months was, was that wilderness experience where God begins to, to allow the enemy to challenge you in that very thing that he's called you to do. See, I think part of encountering more of his anointing is just deciding we're not going to stop. <laughs> we're not, we're not going to change our minds just because we don't see it. And as we set our hearts for the things that he loves and we seek first out of a priority list of one, (laughs) what he wants, we just begin over time. The enemy just gets bored. He's like, wow, this person is not going to (laughs) stop. And we step in with authority and power that that conflict has brought to us because something in us has been established. Think when I, when I was thinking about this and wondering how you encounter more of his anointing, I was thinking, do you know what? There's probably a few mindsets that are, are a bit squiffy about anointing. And one of those is that we think to ourselves that anointing is a feeling. And I just want to say today, anointing is not a feeling. The anointing is a person. <laughs> sometimes we feel him. And sometimes we don't. But it doesn't change what he's what he said and what he wants to do, in us and on us. My, my son, uh, Dan, when, he, when we, we lived uh, in California for a while and we got back, and he went into a local high school, um, and as a, as a good mom, I was like, Dan, keep your head down. You don't need to tell people what, what we've been doing. They're going to see it through the love that you demonstrate. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, right. He went into school, And in one of his lessons, uh, the teacher was talking to them about, what do you believe? What do you believe? Do you believe in miracles? Tell us what you believe. And they had to actually stand in different places um, according to what they believed. And Dan finds himself standing on his own going, I believe there's a God, and I believe that he is a God of the miraculous. And they were going, why do you believe that? And he went, because I've seen it. Because this is what I've seen him do. I've seen him heal the sick. And there's loads of other things which you can ask him about later, but he stood there and he, he just stood firm in what he believed in front of all of his classmates. And then a week later, he's in a PE lesson and one of his friends hurts his back. And in the spirit of mockery, which teenage boys are very good at, his, this kid turns to Dan and says, yeah, Dan, now would be a good time to do that healing thing you were on about. So Dan just goes, okay. And he places his hand on this boy's back and he goes, in the name of Jesus, be healed. This kid's mouth drops open and goes, what was that? See, I guarantee you that Dan didn't feel anything in that moment other than maybe terror at what was happening to him. He did not feel a buzz of electricity. He did not feel something come upon him, and suddenly he knew that God was going to use him in that moment. What he did was he knew who he was, he knew who God was, and he stepped out in faith and said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. Oh, I could tell you so many stories, but I won't. (laughs) The other thing that um, I just want to quash or speak out because it's rubbish, uh, is that comparison and competition kills the anointing of God. <laughs> he hates it. So if you stand there and you compare yourself to somebody else's anointing, do you know what? You're not going to step into more of that anointing because the enemy's going to have a go at you in that place. Okay? So can we just kill that thing now? I'm tired of people feeling rubbish about themselves because it doesn't look like that person over there. Well, do you know what? You're made individually, uniquely, by your Father who loves you and loves to use you just as you. So the best thing we can do in every, any given moment is show up as we are. <laughs> as me, Nick Barnsley, standing here today, <laughs> knowing who he is and who I am and how he loves to use me. I don't feel it. I know it. <laughs> And the other thing, just to say quickly, is that um, the anointing of God doesn't always or, uh, look like manifestation. <laughs> I think people get confused that if you manifest a lot, it must mean you're really anointed. and It's just not true. I have nothing wrong with manifestations when, the, when, when God comes upon you and you begin to feel him, because he loves you to feel him as well. You know, your body sometimes does weird things, so I'm not having a go at manifestations. I'm just saying that the anointing of God doesn't look like someone that's manifesting a lot, necessarily. Two of my heroes in the faith, Bill Johnson and John Arnott, (laughs) don't manifest when they speak and when they release the kingdom of God. So, how do we step more in to the anointing of God? It's not about earning it. It's not about um, we're good enough now so we get more of his spirit. But it is about stewarding it. And uh, I just want to touch briefly on on a few ways that you can steward the anointing of God in your life. Um, I think one of the main ways is to just obey his voice. <laughs> I remember stepping out in in the prophetic for the first time, and it was a similar journey to um, healing, but I just saw in the Bible how he loves us to desire, eagerly desire the prophetic. And uh, I just got amazed at how how his life words release life into other people, and I was like, God, I'm so hungry for that. I'm not naturally gifted in that way. I'm just eagerly desiring it. And I decided one day to go. I was at a different church, and I, I went in, and I was like, God, I'll, I'll do anything, I'll say anything, just just speak to me, I'll, I'm going to go for it. And uh, the, the, there was a visiting preacher that day, and God just said to me, Nick, go and talk to him at the end about his brother, and tell him that I, that I want to bless his relationship with his brother. So I'm like, oh, this is either going to be spectacularly good, or spectacularly horrible if he doesn't have a brother. <laughs> so... I plucked up the courage at the end of the service and I went to him and I said, Hi, I uh, just wondered, do you have a brother? And he turned to me and he just went, no, and walked off. And I'm like, oh, it. <laughs> okay, never mind. But instead of like taking that personally and going, I'm rubbish at hearing from God, I, uh, I went and got myself a cup of tea and I got talking to his wife. And I just said to her, do you know what, I'm trying out this whole prophetic thing and I spectacularly missed it this morning, but hey, I gave it a go, so my God loves me and he's proud of me for giving it a go. And she said, well, what was the word? And I said, it it was about his brother, but apparently he doesn't have a brother. And she just looked at me and she said, hmm, that's weird. He does have a brother. I was like, oh. And she called him over and uh he thought that um, his brother is a, was an adopted brother and doesn't look anything like him. And he thought that I was recognizing something about him that looked like someone, so, which is why he said no. But it turned out that he, um, he was really struggling with his relationship with his brother. Uh, and in that, in that moment of hearing God say, I just want to bless that relationship, um, he... he he just broke down and he was like, God, I, I will I'll phone him. I'll phone him at the end of this service. I'll get back in touch with him. And um I have no idea what happened after that because he walked away and I never saw him again. But you know what? For me that was a lesson in God, I'll do anything that you say. And even when it looks spectacularly wrong, I'm gonna just trust you with that. Either you will teach me in that moment why I missed it, or you'll use it anyway. (laughs) There's a journey in obeying his voice. And as we just set our hearts to go, God, I'll, I'll I'll do what you say. You know, Jesus said what the Father said. He did what the Father did. He was just obedient to that. And the more we just try it and step out in what we think he's saying, the more we realize that he loves to use us in that the more we encounter the anointing of God that he's placed on our life to do that. The other thing is, um, we sang it this morning as well, you know, it says in the Bible, you don't have because you don't ask. <laughs> so ask for more. It says in Luke 11 that, you know, which of you good fathers would give uh, a fish, uh, give your, your son a fish when he, no, Give him a snake when he asks for a fish or give him a scorpion when he asks for an egg. How much more then does your heavenly Father love to give you the Holy Spirit for those who ask? (laughs) One of the ways we encounter more of his anointing upon our life is that we just ask for more. Another way is that we recognize who's around us and who, what other people are carrying. You see, there's an impartation available from the people around you and an anointing upon their lives that they carry that you get to experience and, and take because it was freely given to them and they freely give it to you. I could have cried this morning when um, I, was, I was standing in worship and suddenly I was aware of, of two of my spiritual fathers taking hold of my hand. see they know the last couple of weeks that I've been through and they decided to come in that moment and grab hold of me and just to begin to pray and to release an impartation of what they carry so that I could stand up here and preach today I don't take that lightly (laughs) I'm aware of other people in this room and the anointing of God upon your life and I'm so grateful for that and I need you to pray for me (laughs) I need to rub up against you. I need to learn from you. I'm aware that when a, when a prophet comes into town, a really renowned prophet who's just moving in, in all sorts of um, gifts and words and knowledge and things, actually I step into an anointing just because he's in town. Yeah. Yeah. Because he carries an anointing that f- affects a whole area or affects a whole church. And I'm so grateful for that. We get to encounter the anointing because of what other people carry. I think the other thing that we, we tend to do is that we, we expect when God says, I'm anointing you to, um, what's he anointing you to do? Preach the good news or heal somebody. If he's, if he's pouring out his spirit upon you for you to do something and you hear him say that, suddenly we expect that we, we're just going to be able to do that. And, uh, and I think part of stewarding it well is realizing that God loves process. <laughs> he came as a baby. Jesus came on this earth as a baby, and he grew because God loves process. He could have come at 30, surely. He could have sent his son age 30. <laughs> but he loves to take us on a journey with him teaching us little things on the way you see kids learn to walk by getting up and then falling down and then being picked up and then getting up and falling down and actually there's a part of learning how to steward the anointing in that realization that you don't have to be brilliant first time (laughs) you just got to give it a go (laughs) and when we fall down we belong to a church that picks us up goes come on let's do it again I need a drink. <laughs> Last point. I think part of, of stewarding the anointing of God on our lives is learning how to deal with disappointment. Learning how to deal with those times when we fall down and we, when we miss it. ha. <sighs> I have uh, just the last maybe, I don't know how many weeks, feel like I've been living in, in Nathan and Laura's house, standing with them and believing with them for what I know God wanted for Zoe. <laughs> you see, nobody, nobody went to Jesus for healing and wasn't healed. So I, I was all in. I'm like, I will stand with you and will not budge because I know this is what God wants. And then she died. <laughs> and the night before she died, I'll never forget it, I went into a room, it was about midnight, and I put my hand on her and I said, Zoe, I need you to forgive me that it got this far because I know that I am anointed to heal the sick, to cleanse the leper, to cast out demons. Now, don't get me wrong, okay? I have spiritual mothers and fathers around me that have helped me not to walk into blame and shame and over-responsibility, okay? So don't mishear what I'm saying right now. But there was something about positioning my heart to a little girl that should never have had to walk through what she just walked through. On the night after she died, and we'd been praying all day for resurrection, you see, I'm anointed to raise the dead. (laughs) I knelt before her cot where she was lying. Uh, My closest friends were with me, and I said, God, I need you to forgive me. I need to repent of where I'm at right now in the fact that i've been carrying an anointing of god that hasn't as yet been enough for this situation and i need more <laughs> and i got on my knees and it wasn't a place of shame it wasn't I, I i want you to understand that there was something in that moment of utter desperation and disappointment <laughs> where i knew that the safest thing to do was to turn away from that disappointment and press in to more of what he wants for me to carry. <laughs> and it is a journey. And you know what? Disappointment is there to disappoint you. <laughs> Thanks. It's exactly what the enemy wants exactly what he wants for me to not feel worthy to stand up and preach today about the anointing of God on my life because of what I've just not seen (laughs) but instead I got before the father and I was like God I know I know that you love my heart I know that you've watched me give everything I have and leave nothing on that field (laughs) And I feel your pleasure, God. I feel your pleasure for that faith that was demonstrated. But there's gotta be more. <laughs> there's gotta be more, God, because there are people who need to be healed. There are people that need to be saved. There are people that need to step into the abundant life that he's promised, and do you know what? He calls me, he calls you his anointed ones. He doesn't have a plan B. We're on this planet to destroy the works of the enemy. And leukemia is from the enemy. And instead of being disappointed in this moment from what God has for us, I press in to his heart of love that is for me. And I say, God, I want to encounter your anointing more. I don't want to pray for another person who doesn't get healed and if I do, do you know what? I'll press in more. Because I will not change your message, God. I will not water down the good news of the gospel. See to to encounter the anointing, we need to know who we are. We need to know who he is. We need to learn to seek first his kingdom, all that he has for us and all that he desires. And then we just need to steward it, (laughs) to step out in faith like crazy little kids in a high school that just do it anyway. (laughs) We need to step out and trust in who is with us in that moment. And if we don't see it, we just press in. God, there's got to be more. And I want to see this church press in for more of that anointing of God. See, he's in me for my sake, but he's on me for yours. And everybody that I get to meet, whether it's in the supermarket or whatever I'm doing, gets to encounter who he is because of who's on me it's a lifestyle of encounter <laughs> it's the person of the holy spirit that is holy holy that i get to put out everything in my life that isn't holy <laughs> so that i can steward more of him i just finished with a funny story okay <laughs> got way too heavy. <sighs> Last year at the uh, European Leaders Advance in Harrogate, I was standing at the, the very back of the auditorium. It's this massive place, huge ceiling. And I was worshipping him and I suddenly became aware of, in my, in my spirit, uh, of a dove that was coming towards me. And of course, my mind was directed back at that passage where the dove um, came and, la- and and came upon Jesus, and I'm like, oh, this is so cool. And, uh, and I, I've heard Bill Johnson teach a lot on hosting the presence of God, and, and it feeling like you have a dove sitting on your shoulder. And what, how would you walk and move, and what sort of things would you do if you were aware of this dove on your shoulder all the time? And I'm standing there going, oh, God, this is so good. Like, bring it on. And I'm, I'm expecting this dove to just come and land on my shoulder, and to to move from that place just under a a deeper anointing. (laughs) And I stand there, and this dove comes closer, and closer, and closer, and closer, and suddenly lands on my nose. (laughs) And I'm like, what? What was that? And it it reminded me of how funny the Holy Spirit is. (laughs) how he loves to take us by surprise and just make us laugh in moments like that. And I'm standing there going, okay, I can host the presence of God like a dove on my shoulder, but what do I do with this on my nose? (laughs) (laughs) And I felt the father just go, you see, Nick, if it's on your nose, then everything that you see is through that dove. And everything that you say is with awareness of the Holy Spirit right there. So I just want to invite you to stand. (laughs) (coughs) Do you want to play? Aaron, when he was commissioned by this house to be the youth pastor here, um, I, I remember uh, Alan uh, anointing him with oil, and there's this beautiful uh, thing where, where Alan blessed him with, with how much he loved Aaron, and he gave him permission to be who he was in that moment. And he anointed him with oil as a sign of the Holy Spirit upon him. And you know what my heart is? is that we'd all feel today, that same sense of commissioning from the Father today. That whether you feel like sheep that just need your dousing with oil so that, so that you don't have things bothering you anymore <laughs> or whether you, whether you feel like um, he's actually calling you into something and there's, a, there's an anointing that he wants to put on you to be able to step into that. Whether he Whether you encounter him like oil that runs over your head (laughs) and goes over your eyes and over your nose and into your mouth and into your ears and down your shoulders and onto your hands. (sighs) Or whether you're aware of a dove that descends and lands upon you, I really don't mind. (laughs) I just want you to be aware in this moment that your father looks at you and says, you're mine. You're my beloved. I'm so pleased with you. I've opened the heavens to pour out my spirit, not just in you, but on you. And I want you to take a moment to say, God, this week I'll I'll press in. I will press in for more, and I will step out in faith. because you want everybody that doesn't know you to come to know you. You love to demonstrate your kingdom through us, God. And as a church, we just say, here we are, wholly available to you, King Jesus. Would you pour out a fresh anointing on us as a a body of people today, where this church would begin to be a radical church? (sighs) Yes, Lord. Ah. And would you pour out a fresh anointing for us individually? Holy Spirit, come. Come.